WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. There are so many aspects of wildlife management that we have to keep in mind. For example, there are different invasive wild pigs here in the state of Michigan. Today to tell us more about this, we're here with Lauren Emmerich. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us more about yourself and your research with invasive wild pigs in the state of Michigan? Yeah, definitely. So I am a junior studying fisheries and wildlife at Michigan State University. I've been involved with a lot of wildlife research projects, but my most recent project has been looking at the behavioral changes of invasive wild pigs here in Michigan. So Wild pigs are an invasive species throughout the U.S., which means they are not native here. They were not in the landscape before people introduced them from Europe back in the 1500s. And since they were introduced, they have started spreading farther and farther throughout the country. And now they're at a point where they're spreading into really northern states like Michigan. So the goal of my research was to look at the wild pig population here in Michigan and learn more about how our management was impacting their behavior so we could see if we were helping the issue or potentially causing more harm. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for coming in this morning to talk with us. Let's just talk a little bit about foundational knowledge related to these pigs. I know in South Florida, we also have wild pigs there, but how are those different from, for example, wild boar? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a funny thing with wild pigs is there is no clear-cut identification or description of what they are because wild pigs can be one of two different things. Wild pigs can either be a wild Russian boar, which is the species that was introduced into the U.S. back in the 1500s, or another type of wild pig is a domestic pig, so a pig that is raised on a farm for meat. Whenever they escape or become neglected, they actually go feral in a relatively short amount of time. It only takes a few months for escaped domestic pigs to become feral. There's slight differences between the two different types of wild pigs, but ultimately they cause the same issues. So a lot of the ones that we have seen down south are introduced wild boars, but a lot of them are also domestic pigs that have escaped from farms. So it's a really complicated issue because it's almost more than one type of animal, but they're still causing the same problems. So it's hard to define them, to say the least. (laughs) And for those in our audience who may not know, what does the word feral mean? And also, what kind of problems are associated with these invasive pigs? Yeah, absolutely. So feral essentially means that it is an animal that was once domesticated that is no longer domesticated. So it used to be owned and managed by people, and it used to be used to people, but now it is out in the wild living on its own and it is entirely self-sufficient. It does not rely on us for food or for shelter or for care. It is able to survive just like any other wild animal would. And pigs aren't the only animals that can become feral. There's a lot of wild horses that are actually considered feral because they are escaped horses. Feral cats are often a large issue in cities because they're domestic cats that escaped and then just kind of established their own colonies. So it's a term that can apply to a lot of animals, but in the case of invasive pigs here in Michigan, they cause so, so many issues. 
One of the biggest issues that they cause, and this isn't only in Michigan, but this is actually throughout pretty much all of the U.S., is they cause a lot of agricultural damage. Wild pigs are omnivores, which means that they can feed on both meat and vegetation, and it makes it extremely easy for them to find food. And one of the ways that they go about finding food is by uprooting crops. So picture like a big, big field of corn or soybeans or one of the crops that is really commonly grown here in Michigan. These wild pigs will come in and dig up the seeds or even the mature plants, and they will eat them, which can cause a ton of losses for farmers here in the state of Michigan. It costs a lot of money to produce that those crops. It costs a lot of money to do repairs from what the pigs can cause. So that's one of the biggest concerns for us here in Michigan. And another concern is that they directly compete with native wildlife for resources. So wild pigs, being omnivores, they not only eat a lot of plant matter that's really important for native wildlife, but they also predate on native wildlife. So wild pigs have been documented to eat everything from acorns to beech nuts, both of which are really important for species in Michigan like wild turkey or white-tailed deer. But they've also been known to predate on eggs from ground-nesting birds, such as turkey or grouse. And they've also even been found eating small mammals like rabbits and baby deer. So they directly compete with native wildlife And in addition to that, they can spread disease. Pigs, whether they are wild or domestic, are disease vectors. They are able to spread a lot of disease between different species of wildlife and people. So there's a whole host of issues that come with them, which is why managers are so concerned about it. I remember whenever I was backpacking through the forests of Florida, I would see these big trenches that were dug up and my father would explain to me how they were created by these wild pigs. So I would imagine they are just as scary seeing them in person as well. I would not want to be charged by one, for example. You've listed all of these different issues that these wild pigs can cause, but which one are you focusing on when it comes to wildlife management? All of the points that I touched on are really important here in Michigan, but I think the the problem that wildlife managers are most concerned with is the agricultural damage. Michigan is a largely agricultural state. There's a lot of people that rely on agriculture for income, and so if we have these wild pigs coming in and taking away crops from people that rely on them to make money and support themselves, it's going to cause a lot of issues. It's going to cause a lot of public unrest. People are not going to be happy about it. So the sooner we can get on top of this invasive species, the sooner we're going to be able to almost make it not a problem for people here in Michigan. There's a lot of farmers and people who have reported seeing them and reported damages, but it's only going to continue to get worse unless we look into some of the management implications of this species. So something that's really interesting with managing this species is that pigs, whether they are domestic or wild, are incredibly smart and they are incredibly adaptable. So the focus of my research was to look at how we are currently managing pigs here in Michigan and figure out if our management actions were having any behavioral impact on the pigs. There really are so many different factors that you can study within this research. It's interesting to me that you're focused on the behavior of these pigs. How exactly do you do this and what's the reason behind it? Pigs, whether they are wild 
or domestic are incredibly smart and adaptable animals. So our concern when we were looking at managing this species here in Michigan was that the way that we were managing them was actually having a negative impact on the invasive species issue. We were concerned that the way that we were managing the pigs was actually causing these pigs to spread farther because of their ability to adapt, to be intelligent, to recognize danger and potentially move away from it. So we wanted to see what the actual behavioral changes in these pigs were before and after they were exposed to different types of management events. I'm kind of scratching my head on how the management technique that you used had a negative impact on the spread of these wild pig populations. How were you tracking the wild pigs? Were you using any sort of satellite information involved? To track these pigs, we had a pretty long, complicated process, but we set up live traps in seven different counties here in Michigan. There were six counties in the central lower peninsula and then one county up in the upper peninsula, Marquette County. So it was very, but we set up these traps based on reports from the public of how many pigs they had seen. And we were able to live capture wild pigs that were roaming free here in Michigan. Then when we captured them, we were able to handle them and we fit them with GPS collars. Now, a GPS collar, it it looks like a collar you would put on your dog or cat at home, but it has this device fitted to it that allows us to get coordinates of where the pigs are at any given time. And something that's really, really cool with these collars is that you can actually program them to give you coordinates at whatever time interval you want. So you could have it send in a coordinate every minute, every hour, every day. And so we program the collars to send us coordinates of the pigs every 30 minutes. So every 30 minutes over a multiple year period of tracking these pigs, it gave us an extremely detailed understanding of where these pigs were moving. And you asked about management techniques we were using. So we were using something called a Judas management event. And yes, it's like Judas in the Bible, but basically wild pigs are very social creatures and they congregate in groups. So we had these pigs that were fitted with collars and we were able to follow them using coordinates and determine when these pigs were with another group. What we would then do is managers from the Michigan Department of Natural Resources would go in to this group. They would remove all of the other pigs that were not fitted with collars, and then they were able to follow that collared pig to another group of individuals. So this one collared pig basically led us to all of the other different groups of pigs that we weren't able to capture. And that's why we were concerned about it. These pigs were experiencing this event where other pigs were being removed. And we were concerned that it was causing them to run farther from their initial location, that they were potentially spreading to areas that they wouldn't have otherwise traveled to if we had not stepped in and gotten involved. So that was really the main point of us looking at this research and kind of figuring out, you know, hey, are we causing more harm than good? So let's say that you collared a pig a few years ago, and you're able to track it over time and understand where it's been and maybe even predict where it's going. Whenever you remove some of the other pigs, are you trying to find out if that pig will go to another location, or are you trying to analyze its behavior afterwards, like maybe it's looking for the other pig? Yeah, so the goal of our study was not necessarily to predict where the pigs would go, but to look at the behavior of the pigs. 
So, for example, we predicted that after one of these events where other pigs were removed, we expected those collared pigs to move way, way more across the landscape because potentially they were running from something, they didn't feel safe in the area that that event occurred, and that's why we were looking at it. So it wasn't looking at the spatial use of the pigs as much as it was the behavior of the pigs after one of these events. So you have this technique where you track the pigs using these collars. Based on the information that you observed and the behaviors that you saw, what was the end result for the behavior that you observed for these wild boar and pig populations? Yeah, so it was a pretty complicated process to go through the data. You basically have to take this this set of numbers and somehow determine what a pig is behaving like from this set of numbers. So it was a pretty complicated process. But one thing that's really, really cool with the data that we collected is we were able to determine how far pigs were moving at any given point and how little they were moving at any given point. So We were able to, from our data, we were able to establish basically three different behavioral states. And that sounds like a lot, but it was basically a way for us to break down the behaviors of these pigs and say, okay, based off of how much they are moving or how little they are moving, we can either say that the pigs are resting, which is when they're not moving a lot at all, they're sleeping in one spot, they're bedded down. Or we can say that they're exploring, which is when they're moving, you know, casually throughout a landscape. They're clearly not in a hurry to go anywhere, but they're not necessarily not moving either. And then we also had the behavioral state of relocating. And that's when pigs were moving really far distances over the landscape in a short amount of time. So from our data that we collected, we were able to establish these three different behaviors And we looked at how much time the pig spent in each of these behaviors before and after these management events. What we found actually entirely contradicted what we had initially predicted. We initially thought that the pigs were going to be relocating a lot more after one of these events, but we actually found no difference in the amount of time spent relocating before or after a management event. But what we did find is that they were resting less than before a management event, and they were exploring more than before a management event. So we kind of had to rack our brains with that one, you know, figure out how to interpret that. And we came up with two plausible solutions. Either the pigs are returning to safe havens. So being such intelligent animals, they can remember places in the landscape. And after one of these events, they may have become restless nervous, uneasy, and they were returning to areas that were safe to them, that they could explore and feel comfortable in, that sort of thing. It's kind of like when you get home at the end of a long day and you crawl into bed. It's that sort of, that same comfort feeling. And then another explanation that we, you know, have been working on and trying to figure out is maybe these pigs were displaced from the location where the management event occurred. So were moved to a different area. They decided to move themselves to a different area, but it wasn't necessarily as far as we had anticipated that it was going to be. They only moved very slightly away from where the management event occurred. So it was definitely interesting to see that outcome. It was reassuring to know that the way that we were managing these pigs wasn't causing a greater spread or a greater amount of relocation, but it was still puzzling to just kind of see into the minds of these pigs and see how they behave. 
And, you know, it's science, so nothing is ever concrete. We, even though we didn't find a big difference in the amount of time spent relocating, we still had instances from our collared pigs, because there were four different collared pigs that I used for my study. We had an instance where one of our pigs moved 143 kilometers over the landscape in less than one week, which is an incredibly far distance to be moving. Like I challenge anyone out there to try and do that. It is not a short distance. So it's tricky. I mean, that's the thing with animals and science is you can get numbers and all this fun stuff, but there's always going to be that one little odd outlier that kind of throws you through a loop. So. Now, when it comes to behavior, I think that there are so many different factors, like you had said. However, we are in Michigan, and there is cold weather over here. And another thing that I'm thinking of is food. I'm a very food-motivated person, and I imagine animals are as well. Did you notice that the pigs were maybe traveling more because of the weather or because they were looking for food? Yeah, so we tracked these pigs over a series of several years. Depending on the time in the study that the pig was collared, we either collected two to three years of data for each of the animals. So we were able to see them through winter periods. And we did definitely see, very similar to a lot of other animals here in Michigan, how in the fall, animals are moving around more, they're looking for food, and then in the winter, they're not moving hardly that much at all. They're bedded down, they dug their dens in the ground, and that's where they're staying. So weather definitely did have an impact on the movement of these pigs. But the nice thing about our study is that we were able to kind of take away those external factors like weather or food and look specifically at the time before and after a management event. We coordinated really closely with the USDA and the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. So we had a whole log of every single date and time down to the minute that these management events occurred. So it was very easy to differentiate reactions to something like a management event versus behavioral changes based on something like the weather getting cold or there being less food. So you were right, though. There's definitely so, so many things that you have to consider when it comes to looking at behavioral research because... As easy as it would be and as nice as it would be to go ask the pigs, like, hey, how do you guys feel about this? That is unfortunately not the reality with wildlife research. So, It's really good then that you are able to normalize for those external factors and not let it contribute to the behavioral aspects that you are looking at when it comes to wildlife management. For me, this episode was really interesting to hear, especially growing up with wild pigs whenever I was going out and backpacking. Thank you so much again for joining us today, Lauren, to talk to us about the work you've done on the tracking of wild pig populations. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. And I I think it just goes to show, because you said you grew up with them, animals, they're always going to do their own thing. They're going to spread to areas that they wouldn't think of. Like I think of a wild pig living in Florida and how different it must be from living in the upper peninsula of Michigan. But that's what makes wildlife management so cool is there's always a curveball thrown your way that you get to go and figure out. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share it with you guys. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files. And remember, the truth is in the science.